Uh, no, you're good. I'm going to try and put you on speaker here and see if that's any better or worse. Hold on. Hello, I'm Jacob Bryson, and this is where I came from. Hey, is that better? Is that better? Can you hear it now? This week, you'll hear from my parents about what it was like raising their family while moving all over North America. Let's start from their decision to move back to Ontario from Calgary. Here we go. Um, well, yeah, so we've been in Calgary for about a year and a half-ish, maybe a little bit longer. And then I ended up getting pregnant with you. And, um, yeah, and then I just think after that, it just kind of like... I don't know, it's a bit of a game changer for me because I think I just ended up just really evaluating what we were doing and where we were and, you know, how I wanted to raise my family. And I think I just ended up, and I think I just felt, felt quite homesick and um, just really wanted to get back to Ontario, be close to family. And your dad and I, I don't, I just, we discussed it. I don't remember it being a, like a major, I mean, it was definitely a, serious conversation, but I don't remember it being like... Well, it wasn't controversial. It wasn't controversial. Like, your dad was very agreeable to it, um, which was great, because I think I was more than ready to go back to Ontario at that point. Yeah, I think by that point in time, we felt like we'd have our, had our adventure in, you know, in Alberta and, and traveled around quite a bit. And, of course, you think about a baby coming, and, and you think, well... Being close to family would be would be great. Yeah, and then we decided to kind of throw in one more adventure before babies, and we took three weeks to get back to Ontario. So we did a big road trip to the states, which was awesome. I'm so glad we did that. Well, we left here and we went from Alberta into Montana, and at that time we I think our budget was thirty thirty five dollars a day, thirty thirty dollars a day maybe. Oh yeah, forty dollars a day. Something it was really we had a we had very limited funds, so we had a strict yeah, forty dollar a day budget. So and that included gas. So gas, accommodations, was, food. Yeah. And and accommodations other than if we had to, basically we were either in the tent or in the back of the truck in, in the topper. So we went from Alberta down into Montana, um I remember staying in an old mining town there. We went over to Idaho. And then we went down through Wyoming and went to the Grand Canyon, or to the uh, to Yellowstone, sorry, before we got there, uh, through the Grand Tetons area and the, and um, Yellowstone. And then we went all down through Utah and saw... We did Nevada. Course, we went to Nevada. Yeah, we went to Nevada first, I suppose, yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then Utah and saw Canyonlands and Bryce Canyon and the Grand Canyon down mm-hmm. through Arizona, Lake uh, Powell. Right. Mhm. Oh yeah, I was so happy to see water. We've been in the desert for a long time. Well, I thought it was a long time for us, you know, a bunch of days. <laughs> and then we went to Lake Powell, and I remember just being so, so happy to see water. <laughs> and then 
then we did a big horseshoe essentially. So we went from there and we ended up going across uh, Texas and Louisiana and then basically followed the Mississippi back up more or less. Um, so we went to New Orleans. It was a fantastic trip and loved to many, many times thought about doing it again. We'll, we'll, oh, do, we'll cover definitely some do that, that again. Soon after they returned to Ontario, I was born. Yeah, ended up back in Ontario, and I mean, your dad had a job, but we didn't have a place to live, so we lived with uh, Grandma and Grandpa Rops for about, what, three or four months, maybe? And uh, until we landed a house, our house in Warwick, and then moved into our house in Warwick just before Christmas, before you were born. So we kind of got, we're settled into the house, um, yeah, just before you were born, really. You were born the January 1st but almost January 2nd, because you were born at like 11.42 p.m. And on New Year's Day, we ended up going to um, Uncle Terry's for dinner. And for some reason, we, we watched, Star Wars must have been on TV, because we didn't have, you know, it wouldn't it would have just been on TV, especially New Year's Day, well, CBC or, or, something or other. Or even a tape, a videotape. Oh, uh, yeah, maybe. So then we watched Star Wars. We didn't know what Star Wars episode it was. And um, and just kind of we're kind of in the middle of we'd finished dinner and I remember um, Kelly had made cherry cheesecake for dessert and I was already feeling kind of icky but really full and I thought okay I'll have a little cherry cheesecake and then right after I ate the cherry cheesecake I felt kind of sick and I went to the washroom and then I thought oh no so I wasn't feeling very good and then I told your dad we needed to go home I probably had to tell him about five or six times that I thought we need to go home. <laughs> it was snowing like crazy outside. Yeah. So then we went home, and uh, I didn't really know that I was in labor because I didn't know what that was supposed to feel like, but I was uh, definitely getting contractions but didn't realize that's what that was. Cause I was. Because you were born three weeks early, so I just wasn't really thinking that I was in labor. So this is probably, you know, 10 o'clock at night by now, and then... Um, I remember calling my sister because she had already had four children at the time, and I called her up and, or you called her because I was I well, was preoccupied were, in the washroom. You were in the washroom, and your water broke, I think. And no, then, my and water didn't you, break. Oh, no. I was having issues. You were having issues, and then <laughs> yes. I think I called Marianne and I gave you the phone. You, you called me because your dad was trying to you know, explain to Aunt Marianne what was going on, and so then so then she I got the phone with her. And just trying to fill in the bathroom, and she's like, hey, what's going on? And I was telling her, and she's like, and I said, well, I'm getting these, like, you know, kind of like crampy pains. And she's like, well, have you timed the crampy pain? Like, no. She's like, maybe we want to time them. So we're timing them, and they're like a minute and a half, two minutes apart. And so Amy's <laughs> like, you are in labor. Like, you need to get to the hospital now. Like, and, oh, my and gosh, I'm in labor? Still snowing like crazy. Outside. Yeah, so we ended up getting in the, we the, I don't know what year it was, the old Tacoma. The old, yeah, to pick Probably up. Probably 90. Yeah. What, what year was that Tacoma? Black one was in 1989. 1989 Tacoma. There was like, we were like. The only truck on the road. Yeah, there was. Basically drove right down the middle eight, of the. Eight inches of snow on the on the highway, and we just were forging the path, man. Yeah, it was. Drove for a drive all the way to London, which took us, what, 45 minutes at least. Bombing down the bomb. Oh, down the yeah, at least. Yeah, so we got to the hospital, and, and uh, yeah, 20 minutes after we went to the hospital, I was, I was pushing it out. Like, it was, it was fast. Having a new baby changed my parents' life significantly. 
mean, initially, right, it's just a whole new venture. It's just because, you know, it's, when you add a baby to the marriage, it just adds a whole new, another dimension that everybody's completely new at. Nobody knows really what to do or what's right or what's wrong. And, you know, you're just kind of trial and error trying to figure it out. Um, and I don't, you know, it's just I mean, memories are funny, right, because that goes back, you know, 24 years now. Um, I definitely remember, you know, just, you know, the first initial couple months of just being really exhausted because you, you know, you were like a, you know, I was nursing you, so I was up every two hours at night and, you know, trying to, you know, manage a new baby, with which as a new mom, you just, you don't really know what you're doing. You're just hoping that you're doing all the right things. And, you know, I just remember being really exhausted and really tired and, um, yeah, just trying to make sure you're doing things right. But I just having my mom and my sister close by was very helpful for me because you can just always ask them questions, right? And you get reassurance about, you know, whether what's going on is normal or not normal or what baby's doing. Um, and then for your dad, I don't really know. I don't know how you felt about all that. It was probably like, you know, man. Yeah, there's a lot of that. And then, of course, you know, we've been out there and been adventurous and it's a huge lifestyle change for one thing and then you're completely fatigued and then we had just just moved just got a new new house I was working on a new job and so the whole thing I mean your your entire life changes literally within a couple weeks right having me around also changed the lives of my extended family especially my grandpa Bryson um, well, you were the first grand. Well, I shouldn't say you were the first grandchild on the Bryson side, but Becky and Joey, being that much older, um, it was kind of like having a whole new generation of babies again. There hadn't been a baby for a while, so you had a lot of attention from from Grandma Bryson, Grandpa Bryson, Uncle Bonnie, Aunt Dave, Becky and Joey. Like you were the everybody's, you know, all you had all eyes on you, all eyes and hands were all over you because you were like the new addition. And then on my side of the family. Um, there was already lots of babies, so not that you got lost in the shuffle, but you kind of did, right? Because when everybody got that, everybody had their own babies to take care of, and um, but you definitely were like the apple of your grandpa Bryson's eye. Because mm-hmm. he, uh, oh yeah, he thought the world of you. Like you were just this, you know, precious little guy. That and I think at that point, I think he was able to enjoy you maybe a little bit more. I shouldn't say this. The Becky and Joey, maybe when oh, they were babies. Just exactly. He, yeah, he would just he he just retired or almost retired at that point, right? Yeah. I was a quick learner, but I had one strange characteristic that held me back. I remember when you were little, when you were born, basically your you probably don't remember this obviously, but your feet were not straight up, not even sideways. They were actually past. Sideways. Pretty much backwards. Almost, almost. Your heels were your toes, and your toes were your heels. <laughs> and that's you know from just being in the womb that way you were twisted up or whatever. And you weren't too old, and you know remember the asking the doctor. We said, well, this is going to be okay, right? This is when he starts walking, he'll be okay. And and they started talking crazy stuff about, well, you don't know, maybe we'll have to have some surgery and do this, and that, and the other thing. And I thought that just seems insane. So anyway, you. By the time you were a late walker, but by the time you got up and started motoring, your uh, toes just started pointing north, and away you away you went. Of course, it, you still, well, <laughs> still walk like a Bryson, but but they started pointing more north. Put it that way. 
But you were, uh, yeah, except for walking, you were pretty early in everything. Like you were an early talker, and even crawling and creeping around. Like you, you were moving pretty quick. Like you were kind of a go-getter. You just kind of had to get moving. The arrival of my sister Clarissa changed the family dynamic even more. Yeah, I remember being at the, in the hospital with Clarissa, and you were probably with Grandma Bryson and Grandpa Bryson at the time. No, Grandpa Bryson had already passed. It's probably Grandma Bryson at the time, or maybe my mom and dad. And then, um, yeah, and then they brought you to the hospital so you could meet Clarissa. But being, you know, little, it was, you know, pretty short attention span, so you saw her and held her, and then you were on to the next thing. But for the first couple of days, like, you... You know, you say, you know, what's your baby sister? And you'd call her, so you called her syrup for about a day or two. What's your baby syrup? I thought, what? In the world? Where did that come from, right? But no, she was your baby sister syrup. Um, and then, yeah, no, you were actually, the, the adjustment period was pretty easy the first few months. Um, it wasn't until Clarissa got to be a little bit more active and a little more um, interactive with other people. And it wasn't until, you know, because um, you were the one, you were the kid that was, you know, talking and walking and a lot of fun, right? So a newborn baby isn't a lot of fun necessarily. So you were still getting most attention, but it wasn't until she was about six or seven months old and starting to get cute and crawling and smiling and laughing and um, that where other people were, you know, maybe giving her attention that you that you used to be your attention. And uh, I remember the first time that I realized that you were having some adjustment issues with her getting some attention was she was just sitting on the floor, like, doing nothing. (laughs) And we had company over, and she must have been getting some attention, and you picked up our little tight school bus and just dropped it on her head and walked away. Once there are two small children in the house, what difference can another one or two make? (laughs) Go ahead. Well, at that point in time... I don't know if you used the word a blur, but to me, yeah, once the house started getting pretty full, um, you know, I guess that's two going on three babies and three going on four or what have you. I just, um, it was just, uh, it was tremendous because I remember lots of times at work you'd have a bad day and you'd just, just be looking forward to coming home and flopping down on the floor and having the kids crawl all over you. And I remember you know, wrestling with you guys uh, on an ongoing basis, and I'd play my guitar and sing at the piano, and you guys would sit with me and, and do that, and I just, um, I'm not sure that I remember any adjustment periods after that for any of you kids, probably because the memories just get blurry, and um, or for me personally, but I just remember it being a very chaotic and fun and um, noisy and noisy and you know like the house was just jam-packed full of toys and junk and we'd cleaned up every night after you guys went to bed and every night was get everybody in the bathtub together and everybody's jammies on and read some stories and put everybody to bed and there was yeah it was just uh, a fantastic period of, of our life i think my brother nicholas was born in 1997 and even when he was a baby he had a very high energy personality as a, he was a preemie, right? Which, you know, either as a, as a, I would say, like, by the time Nicholas was, you know, approaching his first birthday, like, he definitely had, he just knew he had a, quite a dynamic personality. Like, he was pretty, really, he was always a very smiley baby, but always mischievous. He was really busy, always into stuff, crawling and climbing and 
just you could never take your eyes off of him because he was just, uh, he was busy. I remember your dad saying that, you know, when he was young, you know, five, six, seven, eight months old, you know, holding Nicholas was like holding a wet fish. Like he just wouldn't sit still, right? So you're just trying to hold this baby and it's all you can do is to hold on to him before he would, you know, without him falling, falling and flopping around because he was just, he was just, a, yeah, he was always a very busy little guy. Um, and I remember when I got pregnant with Isaac, my mom was seriously concerned about how in the world we were going to do another baby with Nicholas in the house. I didn't have a very good start to my schooling career. I was an early dropout. Yes, yeah, you went to, well, you went to nursery school when you were three, but you were a nursery school dropout, so I don't know if we count that or not, do we? <laughs> and, you know, in, in hindsight, I guess, you know, that would have been at the time Nicholas was born that you were heading off to nursery school, mm-hmm. and maybe that was part of your reason, like, I, you know, just, you, you just, yeah, you didn't, you hated it, you never wanted to go, it was always, you know, the teachers would have to peel you off my leg, and um, so we did that until Christmas, and then I decided that that was enough of that nonsense, that, you know, there's no reason you didn't have to go to nursery school if you didn't want to, because I was home anyway, and... Well, it wasn't like yeah. you needed to go to nursery school to get activity and interaction with other kids. Right. The house was already, you know, right. and, busy you, and Exactly. And, you know, we had the neighbors down the road, and we always got together with, you know, with your cousins and things. So, um, yeah, so, you, so then the next year when you were, so you were, when Nicholas was one, then you went to junior kindergarten. And, um, yeah, by that time you just hopped on that bus and off you went. And it was never, you were usually generally pretty content to go to school like it was okay we started going on adventures when i was very young oh and and one more well you probably don't remember well maybe you do remember this this you might have been about the same age or even younger but i remember you sitting in front of me on the quad riding back to the hunt camp and and um you started out basically excited and super rough trail by the time we got back there you were sleeping and and this bumpy quad and you were sitting in front of me in my lap basically he was only one and a half okay i was pregnant with clarissa you wouldn't have remembered that one then yeah i was pregnant with clarissa and we were walking back to the hunt camp and i was I was probably almost eight months pregnant, or walk, seven or eight months you pregnant. And I, yeah, and I just remember when my mom and dad came out with us, and my um, and they had they didn't had never been to the hunt camp before, and we're getting back there, and we're walking back, and I remember my dad saying, "Who takes their eight months pregnant wife back here? What the heck are we doing back here with you?" Like he's looking at me, going, "What are you doing back here?" <laughs> Soon after my youngest brother was born, we moved across the country to St. Albert, Alberta. You know, you were all pretty little. Um, of course, of all the kids, you would have been the one that would have been most affected. I think we were, you know, thinking that you would have been the one because, you, you know, you were already in grade one and you'd have to switch schools and new kids and everything. St. Albert was a great place for a young family. Yeah, and I just remember just feeling, once we got moved there. I just remember feeling like really good about the school we were in. Yeah, yeah you and I, yeah, it was you know just being that cul-de-sac was good because you guys it was it was safe for you guys to basically own that little that little part of the road. Yeah, but it was it was it was a good. I I just felt like Saint Albert for that time period in our lives, the ages you guys were, it was a good place to be. Um, but you know it really wasn't. So I think you know for you, I was probably more concerned about you adjusting well because you were older. 
and I think it went really well because you automatically linked up with August next door, and um, I mean Tara moved in pretty quick, and I think I, from what I from a mother's point of view, I think the adjustment was went pretty well for you. Um, it wasn't until I, you know Nicholas was only three, but I remember we had been in St. Albans for about six months, and you know you just as a, you don't really. As a three-year-old, I just thought, you know, they just they just roll with the punches and they're just, you know, in a new place and it's all good. But I remember him looking at me and just it really surprised me because he looked at me and he said, Mom or Mommy, and I said, yes. And he said, is Grandma Bryson in heaven? And it just broke my heart because the poor kid hadn't seen her for six months and he thought she was gone. Like he didn't, he didn't know where she was. And it just broke my heart, and I just said, no, my goodness. I said, no, she's in, she's at her house in Watford. And he's like, well, how come I don't see her anymore? I remember being very upset when I was told we were going to move to Oklahoma. I thought you guys, just like before, uh, I remember you being upset moving to St. Albert, but I I thought it was an incredibly short period of time, probably because Eric was right next door, that your anger melted away and you you were in like you were, had been there your whole life. Stillwater turned out to be a great place for us. But we lived in a, a great area with really great neighbors and both your mom and I come from a background where, you know, more space is better. So I think personally felt like uh, it's very satisfied the fact that you can go out and know unless you do something really dumb and hurt yourself that that life's going to be good and you're going to, you know, be full of adventure. So and you guys would go not very far. You'd, th- you'd think you're going a long, long ways away to Dead Flower Valley, you'd call it, and you could... <laughs> <laughs> it was a whole, for you guys, that was like, that was a whole other planet, yeah. right? But it was really just next door. You could hit, a, you could hit a nine iron and, and drive a golf ball that far, basically, but you guys thought you went to the other side of the planet, and uh, it, was, it was great because you could, you know whether it be catching fish in the pond or whether it was pick, you know, riding your bikes or quads or digging holes and making caves and all those sort of things, damming up creek beside our place and having Dan next door go crazy because he thought you were going to flood our houses. And a lot of good, um, you know, got involved in the scouts, obviously. And I think back about having a, a camping trip every month of the year, or at least trying to have a camping trip every month of the year. And when you're in Oklahoma, that's, definitely doable, but some of the later season camping was, was pretty challenging. I remember being out at Terry Bidwell's north of north of the city, and we were camping out on his ranch. I don't know if you remember that one, when it started just all pouring and the wind came up and basically, you know, nylon pole tent or fiberglass pole tent, and it blew the whole thing over and it rained about four or five inches overnight and it was freezing cold. Well, it was brutal laying in this big pond of water and then we got up in the morning and packed up the tent and uh, your lips were all blue because you were so cold and, and we got you, I got you in the truck and turned the heater on and started driving home and about 10 minutes down the road you started to warm up and then you looked over at me and you said, that was awesome. After being very sick for my last year in Oklahoma, I was ready to leave. Yeah, and I don't think I really, I mean, so much really realized that until we did talk about moving and you were really excited to move. And I was just felt, I remember feeling just kind of bad, thinking, you know, like feeling bad just because, you know, you weren't, 
Like, you, yeah, you just weren't in, in, you just didn't have the best year, right? And I just feeling bad, bad about that and just feeling sad that, yeah, that, you know, that you were so ready to leave. In 2008, we moved back to Canada and settled in Okotoks, Alberta. No, Clarissa was not. I would say of all of you guys, from what I could see, she was the one that, um, she was, yeah, the move to Okotoks Yeah, the move to Okotoks, I think, was hardest on Clarissa in the beginning. She was, you know, she was, she was a grade 8 girl. You're trying to fit in. You're trying to figure out where you belong. So, you know, there was a lot of, you know, for her, just those growing pains. I think are hard enough for a girl at that age, but then you throw a move on top of that, and I think that was hard for her. I remember thinking that it would be probably toughest for you because you were oldest in moving. I remember being surprised to some extent that you were actually, you just basically said, okay, good, I'm ready to go. And uh, and I was a little surprised because, I mean, you still, you were very close with Eric and, and life was pretty good in, in Stillwater, but... I think you were, yeah, you were just ready to move, and with Clarissa, she it didn't go well at all, no. which is was a surprise, I guess. But it took her months. Um, she was ready to walk back and cursed us up and down. The other two guys, they were, I guess, maybe because they were close enough in age, um, they moved as a little island, and I don't remember that being as traumatic. The first thing on my list of priorities was to get my learner's permit and learn how to drive. <laughs> yeah. But you, you learned quick. I, I do remember taking you out to, like, we were out in Alderside, and we were here, and we went in some of the subdivisions, and we I can't remember if we put pylons on the road, or we just used where they had patched the uh, pavement, but got yeah, you to start parallel parking, so yeah, you, were all, you were all over that. Oh, Seem, I remember really very young, out the first time I was in the car with you, Jacob. A very young age, oh. obviously, to uh, to be driving, but that's uh, yeah, it was good, especially with the stick shift. It, I, well, you because you're my first one to drive, and I didn't really, I didn't have a lot of experience being with an inexperienced driver, so you were my first experience in that inexperienced department, and all you want to do is like when you're when you're in the passenger seat, you just you keep pressing on your imaginary brake. And for, and for the yeah. record, Jacob, I don't remember you being stressful at all to drive with. <laughs> I think dads and moms are. I think they have a different different feeling in a vehicle. Yeah. Kids learning how to drive must have been very stressful for my mom for the first while, but all of her worst fears were realized when I got into a very serious car accident. Yeah, that that was the bad deal. Yeah, I just yeah I just think that we were very very lucky that night. It wasn't like you guys walked out of there without anything, but, um, yeah, you're all pretty lucky. To land in um, some soft, mushy, um, musky-type soil, completely upside down. You know, if you had landed on hard ground, probably would have crushed the vehicle, and if you were 10 feet over to one side, you would have been submerged underwater. You would have yeah. potentially drowned. So, you know, you just, you always, um, as parents, you're, you're always looking out for your kids when they're little, and then when they sort of hit 16, 20, you know they're going to do a lot of crazy stuff, and uh, we all have. And you just, you're just fearful that one day you're going to get a bad call, and that was one of them. But uh, you just want to try and get them, quite frankly, through that period safe and and alive, and and not uh, not hurt themselves badly. So that was a, that was I, I still think about that uh, that a lot actually. 
as teenagers, my siblings and I could be very difficult. Uh, a lot of sleepless nights for me. Yeah, like it's it's just it's always a it's always a interesting time, right? Um, yeah, I would say there was yeah periods where it was easier than others for sure. Um, and I found like with with all you kids, you always went every one of you went through a time where you know you didn't communicate very well or talk very much, um, right? And then you kind of go away for a while and then you come back. Um, so during that time where it's like you're getting vague answers and you kind of know that eh, what they're saying may not be exactly what's going on and trying to put pieces together. And it's during that time where it's hard, right? Because you, you just, A, you want to make sure they're making good choices and you want to make sure that they're safe. And so, yeah, during that time, I think for you, grade 11 was the year where you, you were elusive, very elusive. Well, and I think, you know, the, I think parents often know or, you know, are pretty, pretty strongly know what's going on when kids don't they think they're being sneaky when actually the parents are pretty aware of what's going on. Um, I remember for you, like, grade 11 was your very elusive year, and I just always knew that where you said you were and where you really were maybe wasn't what was going on. Like, I, things weren't, didn't always jive, your stories didn't always jive, but you weren't really wanting to talk to us very much and um, and then you know so then it's hard right then the relationship is strained and then um, but then I remember you hit grade 12 and it was everything was just better like you just seemed to yeah you're way more upfront way more open it was just it was it was better yeah but like I said I think every kid goes through that not every it's not grade 11 for every kid it's different yeah every kid goes through it at a different time um, yeah, I think it's all all part of growing up and getting your independence. Everybody mm -hmm. everybody goes through it. You were, well, all you boys were a piece of cake compared to your sister. So. <laughs> I know, and you know, yeah, yeah, she was your your typical like what you see in the movies, teenage girl, right? <laughs> Everything was, yeah, drama, drama, time. and a big deal, and, and we were ruining her life, and. We hated her apparently, and she hated us. And we, you know, yeah, we we ruined her life a lot. I think in high school. My path since high school has been long and winding. I traveled to Southeast Asia when I was 18 and made some questionable choices. I bought a motorcycle and drove from Phnom Penh to Saigon, which was one of the scariest days of my life. I think I I knew that you needed to 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 do something like you had, and you probably still do, right? A little bit of wanderlust and. Yeah, just to experience different cultures and just want to embrace just the diversity of, you know, of the different, of, of the world, right? Like, I just knew that you had that in you. Um, yeah, and I do know the whole, like, you know, motorbike thing to Vietnam. I think I trusted you and your judgment. Yeah, and you know what? And I think because I... I I was naive about the whole thing. I just trusted that you had done your research and you were, I just, I think I just trusted your judgment more than I maybe should have at the time because always, you know, you always kind of did, you weren't an impulsive kid really, right? You always kind of thought through and you always would have done your research. So I think I trusted that you knew what you were doing and I guess, and I, you know, knowing now what I know, um, I'm thinking you really didn't know what you were doing. 
I also got caught in a typhoon on a small island in Vietnam. This caused me to send a very concerning message to my parents before the power went out at my accommodation. It was something like, I'm stuck on an island. If you don't hear from me for a few days, start to worry. Yeah, it was scary, but I I think I always try to, in like anything in life, not I try not to get myself too worked up, you know, with the unknown, because after you told us that this um, typhoon was coming and you were stuck on this island, I just remember getting on the internet trying to find any information I could, right, trying to figure out where it was hitting and where it was going, and, and there was very little. I could, like there was not a lot of coverage on it, so I couldn't figure out what it was a good 24 hours before we got you were able to get in touch with us again. So we basically had concluded um, from what we stitched together that the eye of the storm was going right over where you get where yeah. you were. So I, I, my survival strategy, which is sort of the way I deal with things in life when there can be stressful, is I just, I just try not to think about it. I mean, just sense that until I know there's something to like, I just I can't worry about it because I can't do anything about it, right? And not that I didn't worry. I was I definitely thought about it, but I couldn't I wasn't gonna put myself in a state of complete panic because that yeah, I just thought that would be more detrimental than helpful anyway. So I just sort of just waited and waited and waited until we could get some news. Now, six years later, I have changed my mind about my life path countless times, but I've finally settled on studying journalism in Australia. Like when you decided to go to Australia, that this is maybe what you needed just to—I don't know—just to a to get a journalism degree in three years is is, is pretty advantageous, right? Um, do that, and you know, again, it's it's the adventure, it's experience of being in a different country, it's you know, it's experiencing different things, meeting new people. I just felt like you needed to, to do something other than just stay in Calgary and go to school. I just don't know how satisfied you would have been with that with that decision. So it, to me it felt like, um, yeah, I mean, there was lots to consider, right? A, yeah, the expense of it, um, the fact that you are, you know, on the other side of the world, so you coming home or us going to see you is not just a, you know, a quick trip, right? It's there's lots of it doesn't you know it can happen, but it's it's a it's a haul. Um, yeah, but I, I I think at the time when it this all came up, I just felt like it was something you needed to do for yourself. Next week, I'll wrap up this podcast by letting my siblings give me a hard time. I'm Jacob Bryson, and thanks for listening. <laughs>